news, everyone. I'm back, baby. It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great. Everybody else sucks. Oh, oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Squeeze me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? <laughs> but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in sports. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. It's all in sports. Uh, Jake Seeley, your host, as always, in case you came in from today's guest. Uh, and if you did, a uh, reminder, I'm at All In Kid, and you can check out all the work at The Athletic right now. Sign up if you haven't. Dollar to sign up. Can't get much cheaper than that. It's cheaper than the Halloween candy. Well, maybe if you got the Halloween candy on sale the day after, like the smart people and myself, and then you pig out for a week, maybe not. But if you haven't, you can go ahead and do that. And speaking of today's guest, talk some fancy football, have some fun. It's Vlad Sedler. Good friend, uh, we need to get back up and hopefully maybe you can get out some traveling this year because you refused my first Flex League's invite, Vlad. But no, nah, it's Vlad's a West Coaster, so I understand it. At Roto Gut, a part of Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru. He is a Tout Wars champion, by the way, and a lot more good stuff. Before we even dive in, Vlad, tell everybody where to find your work, where to sign up for your work, what you do, all the good stuff that they're missing out by not following you. I appreciate it, Jake. And, and by the way, that first flex invite was actually uh, wife was having a baby. So actually a good excuse there. Um, but yeah, next sure, year, sure, sure. next year, I'll be there. Uh, uh, so I uh, have been writing in the industry and, uh, for about 10 years and uh, work with Elite Fantasy on the DFS side and the sister site Fantasy Guru, who a lot of uh, folks are familiar with, uh, one of the older season long fantasy football sites. Uh, for all my season-long content. And so specialize in a lot of the uh, high-stakes leagues, NFFC, FFPC. And uh, yeah, just try to keep it entertaining. Uh, try to help people uh, win money and win their leagues, both in football and baseball. But right now, concentrating on the old football. Concentrating on football. And that's what we're talking about today. Uh, we were just actually, Vlad and I, before we even got on the show, we were remarking on how we find it funny that people immediately dive back into fantasy baseball drafts are like oh my god i need a brain like fantasy football i can kind of get it just because you're like hey let's do a really early fun draft and that but i wouldn't play it out <laughs> but the baseball people good god i understand if that's your only thing but just take a week off at least not even a month like you said vlad just just take a even a day off just breathe a little bit relax just one deep breath because the thing is uh it, it's so easy to just kind of be locked in on tunnel vision and it's good that you have the previous season's results in your head but if you don't give it a little bit of, you know it's like a fine wine you give it a little bit of uh, air to breathe and and you'll be able to get uh, a better taste out of it and better results i think at least for me you know to each their own but for me i definitely need uh, a couple weeks before I can get back into the grind of the new sport. See, everybody knows I love cereal. Maybe that's maybe fancy baseball players. There's a lot of cereal eaters, and they know that you can't wait because then it gets soggy. You got to just like keep going and just dive back in. You can't pause. <laughs> that maybe that's what it is. They're not wine drinkers. They're cereal eaters. So that's what it is. But there, there has to be a cereal out there that just that doesn't get soggy, right? They just yeah, great nuts. It. It's it's road gravel. Nobody eats yeah, that. <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> that stuff when when your solution to a cereal is hey nuke it in milk to make it better like yeah. what the hell is like you cannot tell me that's an argument for food that's that's a bad thing but uh yeah i mean yeah. i don't even i mean oh. do kids still eat cereal by the way because I, I mean obviously we grew up on like captain crunch and fruit loops and all that stuff but i feel like it has so much sugar i don't know if 
people, parents it's, are letting their kids eat it these days. I don't think it's as popular as it used to be. I think it's the millennials are the last ones to really be into cereal. And I'm including a lot because the millennials do include people in their young 30s, even mid 30s. I forget what the exact cutoff is. So I think that's going to be the last. And then, like you said, they're eating the healthier stuff, a lot more of the like the, the labradorite bars or labradabra bars or whatever the mm-hmm. hell they're called, bars, whatever yeah. they are. Like everybody's eating like more healthier, quick stuff than cereal sit down. Yeah, because you're right. Especially if you looked at some of them, like the ones you mentioned that we used to, hell, Captain Crunch, even without the Crunch Berries, super high in sugar. So yeah. RIP Pops. Yes. Yes. Pops. <laughs> oh my God. There's so many, there's the discontinued ones. There's ones that they brought back. Yeah. Uh, did you, this is, I mentioned this in my cereal reviews. Did you ever have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cereal? Of course. Absolutely. I, it, it, was, it took a while to convince my mom to get it for me, but yeah. Did you, did you agree with me in the fact that it was the, one of the most disgusting cereals ever? Uh, I remember eating it. I don't remember my response <laughs> to it. I think I liked anything that was in a bowl with milk. <laughs> Fair enough. All I remember is just, I don't know. That tasted like plastic. That's all I remember. The marshmallows <laughs> were awful. But Leonardo especially. Yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Leonardo especially. So Bad news today. Uh, we got the news of Miles Gaskin being on, put on the IR for three weeks, potentially more. Uh, that's why we got the news of the trade for DeAndre Washington. Although, of course, DeAndre Washington looks like a depth move. I tweeted this out, so I want to get your opinion to see if you agree, disagree, and where you are on this. I tweeted out, if you happen to have waivers that are first come, first serve, well, first of all, stop doing that. But if you don't have to wait for waivers tonight, tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this, if Matt Breed is out there, immediately go grab him. I'm on the Matt Breida train. Some people said, what about Jordan Howard? I said, oh, well, Matt Breida is better. And there's a reason Jordan Howard's been inactive the past couple of weeks. So you have that, you have some people talking about Lynn Bowden, but I also think that Lynn Bowden's just kind of a change of pace guy. I understand the bus potential here, but I am all in on Matt Breida. Where are you, Vlad? hundred percent. I mean, that's really the, uh, sometimes the, the, the path of least resistance is the correct one. And in this case, I mean, it is Matt Breida. Uh, he's somebody who I actually was drafting ahead of Jordan Howard in whatever 10th round or wherever he was going. And uh, really just makes the most sense uh, in, for this situation. So long as he can stay healthy. And it's really such a shame. I mean, Miles Gaskin was somebody I just, after week one or two, whenever it was, I just threw in what the heck bids on him and landed him just about on every team. And he's just been the glue to my team. Like I've lost Eckler. I've lost, you know, Aaron Jones for a few weeks, like McCaffrey. And he's in my lineup every week and producing. And when I saw that news today, it was just such a disappointment. So, um, you know, shame for Gaskin next three weeks. And who knows even after that. But, um, but yeah, I agree. It's, it's clearly Matt Braid is the guy to get. I'm with you. I'm just frustrated because I was a Gaskin guy-ish last year. And so I was already like you. I was placing a lot of bids on him. A little bit sounds like maybe a little bit more aggressively, but he was one of the ones that I would rather have than trying to figure out what the hell is going on with the Patriots, what the Mm -hmm. hell is going on with the Buccaneers and all these other teams, the Chargers. I actually did a piece in my waiver column this week was called Patriots Games like Patriot games and movies. And it was the backfields. I just want nothing to do with including that the Patriots we've been doing for years outside of James white. But now this year, even James white has lost that value. So let's talk about a couple of these types of situations. The one isn't necessarily a Patriots games, this one. And this is another one. I'll give you my opinion. See if you agree. There was people last week with no Mark Ingram that were like, Ooh, it's JK Dobbins. That was me, by the way, I'm going for the ceiling Mm -hmm. and the talent in JK Dobbins. Some people were like, no, it's Gus Edwards because he's going to get the goal line carries. The good news is, Vlad, is nobody was wrong. Everybody was right. 
is the, your opinion one better than the other, or is your opinion, hey, they're just both going to be good as long as Mark Ingram is sidelined? Yeah, I mean, so with, with Ingram, it doesn't seem like it's too serious. It's like a, they don't even call it even a high ankle sprain. It's like a high ankle issue. So, you know, probably out another week, uh, and, and they had to buy and everything uh, prior to this past week's game. And so he'll be in there eventually, but it's just a good reminder and a good lesson for us um, to be very careful with our early round draft capital. Like you were just talking about avoiding certain um, backfield situations. And you have a situation here where you've got Lamar Jackson, one of the most mobile quarterbacks in the league, obviously, you know, set the, the record last year for, for rushing yards for a quarterback and, um, and, and th- a three headed monster there uh, with, 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 with Dobbins Ingram and, and Edwards that for me, uh, having to spend like a fifth or sixth round pick on Ingram and Dobbins and hoping to maybe be right um, was just a really tough spot to be in. So I kind of avoided it. I don't really have any of those guys in any of my teams. If I were to be managing or, or coaching the, the Ravens, I'd want to get Dobbins in there right away. I mean, look what he did that very first game of the season against Cleveland, two, two rushing touchdowns, but he's not being used properly. We finally saw that with Ingram out of the picture. Uh, you know, he played two thirds of the snaps over hundred yards. He's uh, pretty much like the leader in yards per carry with almost seven in the short amount of small amount of carries that he's had. And he's just a stud, but the usage will is continue to be maddening. Uh, and the other thing is the, the schedule is, uh, is not the easiest. I'm just kind of looking ahead to, you know, obviously the Colts have a pretty good defense um, against the run and you've got okay with new England, Tennessee, but then you've got Pittsburgh and it's just tough. Like right now, people that have to deal with, uh, injuries and you've got to plug someone in great Dobbins fantastic you can even plug in Edwards if you need to if you're in a, in a pinch but kind of going into the season and just looking at it holistically it wasn't really smart to invest on that backfield okay well how about one where we're investing in the wide receivers both as wide receiver ones the interesting thing is before we even get to Antonio Brown who's not in this now in this mix is this year had been a killer to Mike Evans when Chris Godwin has been healthy Uh, for people out there that don't know, I've brought it up a couple of times, the games where Godwin's played almost the entire game, over 20% of the target share, Mike Evans, 10 to 11%. Also behind Gronkowski, even before Gronkowski broke out, that's how bad things are when Godwin's on the field. Now, Vlad, we all know Antonio Brown is back. Uh, Bruce Arians is of course not telling us what to truthfully expect anywhere between his words 10 to 35 snaps, depending on what he does. But is this full on panic time for Evans? And if you had to rank the Bucks wide receivers going forward, would Godwin still be number one? Or do you think there's so much talent still left in Antonio Brown that he could be the number one? Man, it's honestly, it's one of those things where I'm not even going to pretend to, 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 uh, uh, to think that I know the answer here. Um, I don't even think Bruce Arians does. It doesn't really know what he has. <laughs> in Antonio Brown, who was the most dominant uh, receiver in the league for, for several years before he went nuts. Um, and obviously I think him kind of getting back into the locker room, getting back into his Zen, he's obviously very talented. Um, Tom Brady pushed hard to get him there. I think he's going to be targeting him and, and, and looking to get him going. This could be very good for Brown. And, and, and I wouldn't be at all surprised. Why, why wouldn't there be a reason for him to be the, the, the primary guy, you know, three years ago, looking back at all three, he was the most talented when they were all in the league together. Uh, Evans is just one of those guys that you know you can count on in the in the red zone. Godwin can just do work all over the field, but it's just going to be a kind of a messy situation. They're just sort of eating uh, away from one another, 
and um, and also the the past defenses that they're about to face coming up after this game, not the easiest. That kind of even lowers the upside a little bit. They're going to get the Panthers, Rams, and uh, Chiefs. All three of those teams are basically top ten in past defense DVOA. Ooh, that, that's a good point there. So. Let me give you an over-under. I'll say Antonio Brown over-under rest of season, including this week, is wide receiver 22. Would you take Ooh. the over or the under? I guess over being higher. So there, higher or lower instead of over-under. How about that? Yeah, that's uh, pretty good. I mean, they're, that's actually a really good um, uh, barrier there. Um, man, I, I would probably I, – I would – I don't even know if he would be able to, to to make it through the season. To be honest, you, you hope he will, and that everything's fine. But I guess wait, I would, wait. health wise it. or problem wise, anything. That's the thing. He's so he's so unpredictable. I've seen some like off the field stuff and um, interviews with him. Like he's just not the same person. Something happened with the guy. So I really don't know. I mean, you get you know pissed that he's not getting enough targets and quit on the team again. There are just so many possibilities. So talent wise, I think. Again. He could be a wide receiver one, but I would probably bet against it. Probably be like a wide receiver 25 first of the season. Okay, so barely under. All right, fair enough. Uh, with the running back situation, this is one that was in my list of the Patriots games because if anybody – like I even said, Bruce Arians might have a quicker hook than Bill Belichick does when it comes Good. to fumbling. D, look, we played this game earlier this year where it was, all right, it's Leonard Fournette time. And it feels like we're doing that again. Here's a, I want to give you an over under. What's your confidence level of a one to 10 if Leonard Fournette is the guy going forward? Uh, you mean if that he's going to be the guy or if he was the guy? Yes. No, if he's the guy going from here on out, well, Leonard Fournette's the lead. Ronald Jones is the backup confidence level one to 10. I low because I don't see that. I don't, I don't think even Arians is a smart enough guy to realize. Give me a number. The, the, uh, four. Ronald Jones four. is very talented. In my so, the, here's here's the question. Then I would have after this: Do you think Fournette's at least an RB two? Question mark. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> uh, just just based on the fact that uh, he's going to get more uh, more more receiving work, and he's pretty solid play in in, in PPR. Okay. How about the next situation? This is about as bad as it could get. Uh, so similar to the Bucks, sim like different completely from what we knew at the beginning of the year. At the beginning of the year, all three Cowboys wide receivers, all three were in the top 25 conversation. You can make that conversation now for the Steelers probably, but not the Cowboys because the Cowboys tried Ben DiNucci. Uh, their report is with Andy Dalton on COVID that he doesn't even get a second chance that being DiNucci because now they're turning to Garrett Gilbert or pulling up uh, Cooper Rush from the practice squad. So my question to you is not even just how far have they fallen. It's going to sound strange because we just, again, a couple weeks ago, they were all inside the top 25. Now, is any Cowboys wide receiver startable? Like, at this point, are they on your bench, Vlad? So this week, quite possibly. It's always a question of what is your alternative. But I think in a vacuum, it's really tough to answer that. Uh, you know, uh, Pittsburgh, their one weakness is, uh, yeah, they've let a lot of perimeter wideouts, uh, talented ones, top 100 yards and get a touchdown quite a few times. So other than that, I mean, they're like the best defense all, all around in, in the league as far as I'm concerned. And so 
this is just a really tough spot, no matter which of those two uh, quarterbacks come in uh, and step in this week. Game script will probably work for them to maybe catch some targets and somebody catch some, but who knows who and where and who's a better fit. Uh, like in, you know, in DFS the other week, uh, this past Sunday, like I had a great day because I randomly, for some reason in my head, was like, uh, I think Gallup is just the guy with Danucci. And so I did a, a full uh, Philly group with just Gallup on the other side. And it just ended up being him. I guess I got lucky. I don't know where that feeling came from, but <laughs> who the heck knows who's, who's going to be this week. And then after that, they've got a bye week. So you've got a couple weeks to regroup here. Um, we'll see. But even after that, like, you know, Washington at Baltimore, like it's just not a good schedule, whether it's Dalton or whoever's in there. Yeah, so I'm going to have – we're going to finish the show, of course, because, hey, it's election week. So have a, I have five votes, and you have to cast your vote for one or the other, and they're going to come back into play. So pin the Cowboys on the side for a second here. But I want to stick for the Cowboys briefly with Zeke now because Ezekiel Elliott, beginning of the season, there was complaints he wasn't Ezekiel Elliott efficient. And actually, he never topped 100 rushing yards and – Probably won't do so now without Dak Prescott, but he didn't even do it with Dak Prescott at quarterback. It's been so bad now that Zeke is in the conversation of being with David Montgomery. Uh, so the Zeke, it's all relative. Like you said, you know, can you really bench Zeke? I don't think so. But I want to frame it this way, Vlad. If you're doing, you know, everybody always preaches buy low, sell high. If you could get David Montgomery or somewhere around there right now for Ezekiel Elliott, do you just get out before it potentially gets worse? Or do you think we finally hit rock bottom with Ezekiel Elliott? Well, it's, it's still a little bit of a rock bottom because you do have that Pittsburgh start that's going to affect things. And then the bye week where he's just sort of been forgotten about. Uh, But there's a couple of good matchups there. Uh, Just hopefully they, for Zeke owners, they're going to use him, uh, he'll be utilized um, on a higher split than with uh, over Pollard than he has been uh, these last couple of games. So we'll see. I mean, obviously Tony Pollard is fantastic and talented. He would be uh, starting back in a possibly an RB one on many of these teams here. You plug him in for Gaskin in Miami. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're looking at a, at a stud there, um, but with Zeke, it's, it's just a tough spot. I think the value is way too low to be able to get something of decent return. And I think the person trading for it knows that. And so they're going to use that to their advantage and, you know, get the most out of it. So it, it, you're really between a rock and a hard place trying to, uh, to, to pawn off Ezekiel Elliott to somebody. So if you had Ezekiel Elliott and I sent you David Montgomery, you'd hit decline? I would take David Montgomery simply because <laughs> the, online, uh, the offensive line is stronger. And I'm just looking, I, I go so much by, by, by schedule. I like to project these games out and I'm looking at, um, his, his workload. And I'm looking at green Bay on the schedule, bottom four run defense, Detroit on the schedule, Houston, Jacksonville in the playoffs week 16, you get Montgomery versus Jacksonville. I think I'd rather have that than uh, Zeke versus Philly with who the heck knows seven string quarterback at that point. So, so yeah, I mean, if I really try to step away from the whole thing that it is Ezekiel, the great Ezekiel Elliott, and you just look at it in the context of the remainder of the season, I guess I'd go Montgomery. Wow. This is how far we've come. This is ridiculous. All right. This is, I feel like going to be the simplest answer of the entire show. Christian McCaffrey, Michael Thomas. Well, Michael Thomas, supposedly. Actually, Christian McCaffrey, supposedly, too, because we're recording this on Tuesday night. But both supposed to return this week. It's an immediate just plug them right back in your lineup, right? You're not overthinking this or worried about immediate workload. No, I mean, even if 
Mike Davis still say McCaffrey returns and he's in against Kansas city. They want to take it somewhat easy on him. And Davis is obviously still fantastic. And Davis mixes, mixes in on a third of the snaps. CMC could still get a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of work done and, and score a lot of points against this Kansas city run defense. It is a uh, pretty, pretty easy to run against. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, he pretty much, I mean, as, as even at like, 66% of the snaps, you're still looking at a probably a top five, six running back going forward the rest of the season. Michael Thomas, top five wide receiver still? Uh, no, no, because I think really? he's drinking whatever Antonio Brown was. And I don't know what it is, <laughs> just like, I mean, but, but there's just something about him, like, right? Isn't he like just kind of out of character? Michael Thomas was, he was always kind of a diva, but he never really came to the forefront because everything was always going well. And, you know, he was just one of those solid guys. Can't guard Mike. You know, he's just doing his thing. Oh, another monster season, almost in the same sort of, um, you know, way that Antonio Brown did for so long. And now he's just a mess. Like, you know, who knows what sort of stuff is going on in the locker room, his relationship with Breeze and other people, and maybe he wants to be traded. So I have a lot less faith than Michael Thomas. I think, if you can get somebody like an Allen Robinson or AJ Brown for him, um, like a true alpha on another team, I think you got to consider. I think you do too. If you're a contender, I would look at it the other way and mm-hmm. see if maybe if you agree with this, if I'm a losing record or I'm starting to look like, Ooh, I might not even make the playoffs. The Michael Thomases and Ezekiel Elliott's are the worlds are the ones that I would go try and trade for, because what do you have to lose at this point? You're going for pure upside. And, and you know what else, um, you know, what gets uh, any, any receiver back on track uh, and gets them, uh, gets them going is two matchups in a three week span against this uh, Atlanta Falcon secondary. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. Oh, well, I'm not, is, is that, I didn't realize that they did that to this team again. Yeah. So they're going to do. Yeah. I, uh-huh. I know because you remember, say. I was going to say a couple of years ago, it was the, so I always remember this because I always reference strength of schedule and how it can change even within the season. Yep. And I always take the Falcons season. Remember the Falcons at the end of the year were supposed to, they faced the Saints in weeks 14 and 16. And everybody was like, ooh, get those Falcons receivers. And at the end of the year, I'm sure you remember this, Vlad. It was all of a sudden, oh my God, the Saints defense is really good. It's not uh, oh, as good yeah. as we thought it was going to be. It changed in that. It wasn't the beginning of the season as a whole. It was by like week eight, all of a sudden the Saints were like scary. Um, I didn't realize, why do they keep doing that? And I'm looking at it right now. You're right. After their buy, it's at New Orleans. Actually, Vegas is a nice one too. And then versus New Orleans at home or yeah. for Atlanta. And then vice versa for the Saints getting to face the Falcons. Yeah. Yeah, and, and there was like a period of time where, you know, in, in high stakes, I would be looking to, I'd always kind of look ahead to the playoffs, even though you really shouldn't, but, you know, just, and this, like you said, strength of schedule changes, but there was a period of time where that entire division, all of their secondaries were horrendous. And so you're looking at these matchups, it's like, uh, you know, remember a few years ago, Tampa Bay had like the worst secondary in the league. And it's like, oh, great. You know, Julio Jones is a fantastic first round pick. Look, two matchups, week 14 and 16 against Tampa. He ended up smashing in those matchups, I remember. Same thing, Saints were bad there for a while, the secondary. So, yeah, it's interesting. So we'll see. I mean, Thomas could definitely get back on track with two matchups versus Atlanta. I I, I didn't realize that. That's another reason to go by low. All right, so let's get to a backfield situation, which might have some clarity by the end of the week, depending on how severe or truthful this injury to Jonathan Taylor is. But let's say Jonathan Taylor is out there this week. Is Jonathan Taylor – well, actually, you know what? Let me pause real quick, Vlad. Where were you on Jonathan Taylor before last week? Let's get that answer first because that's going to kind of, I guess, paint the picture for the follow-up question. 
before last week, he's just a guy that you just are waiting uh, to break out, but you just don't know what it's going to happen. Um, and, and that's obviously, that's the risk we're now seeing in uh, first round Edward Edwards Hilaire, who's been great, but you know, also has had some games where he hasn't done very much and not used, you know, unlucky in the touchdown department there for a while. And Jonathan Taylor was a pretty solid third round pick, um, but very polarizing. A lot of people were, were just not into him. Uh, going into this week, I, you know, the matchup was perfect. He was facing Detroit. Uh, it was good game script and Detroit's like, you know, one of the worst run defenses in, in, in football. And for whatever reason, I changed my mind on the whole Taylor thing last minute. I was thinking Taylor's going to be popular. I'm going to go, this is DFS. I'm thinking I'm going to go, you know, it's a dome game with the passing game instead. So that ended up working out other than the Kenny, Kenny Galladay zero, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, I was really happy to be away from that situation. I could feel the people's tilt uh, when Hines scored that and then did the backflip. Like Jordan the people's Wilkins. elbow? The oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt so bad. I was like, thank God I, I pulled out of that situation. So um, I actually would love to see him just kind of be used in this way for the rest of the season and then buy low next year. That's what I'm thinking, or at least hoping it would be a good situation. All right, that's smart. All right, so one more running back situation. Then I do want to talk some DFS, so you bring that up. And then, like I said, some voting stuff at the end. So Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds, you know, everybody wants to be the guy. So I keep comparing this situation to another that you'll remember from a few years ago is Lamar Miller when he was with the Dolphins. And everybody was like, get Lamar Miller more work. Get Lamar Miller more work. He gets it by getting off the team. And -hmm. he's the same Lamar Miller just on more touches. He lost efficiency. Is that a possible chance that Chase Edmonds doesn't get better? He just produces the same now with more touches. Or do you think Chase Edmonds, until Kenyon Drake comes back, is an RB1? It's very possible. There's just there, there's something in the water, in the air. There's something about a guy that comes in as a change of pace and just looks so great. And especially for people like, you know, just psychologically, you're looking at Drake where he just continues to disappoint every week. Yeah, that one great Monday night game or Sunday night game, whatever it was. But outside of that, everybody's like on Team Edmonds and, and rooting for Team Edmonds. And then just, you know, watch like when he's now the focal point and, and teams prepare for him more or he's got that pressure of that every down roll, you may not see the same, you know, super Edmonds um, that we thought. But remember last year, he, the few times that he did step up, he looked really, really good till he got hurt. So I do think he's a stud, uh, you know, this game against the Dolphins where they'll probably be, you know, with their favorites and, the Dolphins are, that's the way to beat them. They're, they're dead last in, in run defense, uh, DVOA, and just about, you know, everything there. That's a really good matchup for them, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Um, what I'm really impressed with are the people that ended up not drafting Drake, but then ended up kind of taking someone else's handcuff uh, by drafting <laughs> Chase Edmonds. Like, like, that's a more viable uh, sort of secondary situation. You took him in like the eighth or 10th round as opposed to Ingram or Dobbins in the fourth, fifth or sixth. So that's a lot better sort of draft capital to take a shot at. You, you couldn't say, but I was raising my hand for that one. That's uh, I, I did do that to some people with the Edmonds, mostly just because <laughs> I did not expect, uh, let's be clear for everybody out there. Uh, this isn't a victory lap. Like, ha ha. I knew it was going to be this bad, but I wasn't on Drake this year. Again, I didn't expect it to be this bad, but I wasn't on Drake mostly because of those, those three games. He was, I kept calling him Amari Cooper of running backs. Well, mm-hmm. before Cowboys, Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, where it was enjoy the three giant games and then be frustrated the rest of the year. Yeah. So, 
you keep bringing up DFS. Uh, like I said, if everybody wants to check you out at Roto Gut, check out your work over uh, you know, the Guru Elite and everything like that. You do cover a lot of DFS, which helps people out there. Uh, I was reading over your quarterbacks, and I'm glad you sent quarterbacks to me because that's one I always find interesting for people out there because it feels like the toughest because it is often flat. You know, outside of the, whoever, if you grab the top performers of the week, this seems to be a very small margin from like QB five to QB 15. So to get those top guys feels more important. So before I get into some more, you know, more advanced questions, quote unquote, so to speak, what's your overall strategy just going in each week when you're looking at the quarterback position? Uh, for me, I think um, matchup and game flow, I think really helps paint a big picture for me. Uh, and what I like to do is make sure to uh, sort of, uh, project the games or, or figure out what I think the spreads are before actually looking at the spread so that I'm, I'm basically not, um, you know, uh, affected by it and just can sort of make my own decisions. But, um, and also trying to predict the, the game flow of these matchups because it really does make a difference. Like, uh, you know, not every time is it going to work out like it did for Patrick Mahomes last week where, you know, you're a 20 point favorite and you end up throwing six passing touchdowns. That was a lot of it was just a case of, that was the path of least resistance because the jets actually have a decent run defense, not amazing, but you know, middle of the road, but a horrendous secondary. And so that was the best way and easiest way to attack and just put up points. Um, but it doesn't always go that way. So I'm looking at uh, games with high totals games that have a very tight spread. Maybe, you know, as we get into the winter time, maybe, you know, games that are in domes and, and things like that. So um, a lot of different factors. And of course, the game script of a quarterback looking to um, maybe possibly get some garbage yards and, and um, you know, garbage touchdowns and just from the catching up standpoint, I guess you could say. Yeah. So a perfect example is last week, uh, Aaron Rodgers fourth best down to Ryan Tannehill, 12th best by fantasy points. So that's the kind of follow-up question for you is when you're trying to figure out this position and you have those factors and you're looking at it uh, for playing tournaments, and you usually, you know, you want to go contrarian to a degree at all positions. You don't ever want to have the chalk across the board because, you know, that's what cash is for. And then you're not going to win first place by having heavy chalk. Do you worry? Because this is my strategy. And I know everybody out there doesn't agree on everything, but this is why I want to get your opinion on it. Is my strategy at quarterback is I don't try to think too hard about avoiding the chalk because it is so flat because I do want the top two or three people. And like last week, if Patrick Mahomes was 40% owned or 5% owned, he was still the best play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, obviously the salary plays a big part in it. You of know, course. like uh, the, this upcoming week, you're going to have somebody like Drew Locke who looked great against Atlanta and was, uh, or uh, against the Chargers and, and is extremely cheap across the industry. Um, had a big, big week last week. Now he goes into uh, to face Atlanta in Atlanta it's a great matchup for him and he's significantly cheaper than, you know, Mahomes, Wilson, uh, uh, and those other guys, Kyle, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson. And so that's the thing is you're thinking about uh, somebody might think about Jimmy Garoppolo, who was the chalk last week. He was the smash. Like what could go wrong? You know, a, a quarterback <laughs> against Seattle. And of course, when you think something go wrong, it usually does. And so that's always something you need to sort of keep in mind, but there, the, the higher price quarterbacks are, they're up there for a reason, you know, they're, they earn their salary, but they also have a built-in floor with the rushing. And I think that's something that we need to kind of be more mindful of um, as DFS players is 
uh, you know, who's the guy that is going to scramble 10 times and possibly run for 80 yards and, and is going to carry it over the goal line themselves. I mean, that really boosts a lot of games. You remember like Dak Prescott, like, I think it was against Miami or whoever, like, you know, the, the, the rushing scores, he ended up with like 40 points. So um, you're not going to get those type of ceiling games from a Ben Roethlisberger unless he throws five, six touchdowns and that just doesn't happen for big Ben anymore. So, you know, thinking about those Josh Allen's and Russell Wilson's Mahomes of the world, I think really are big difference makers. By the way, again, make sure you check out Vlad's work over there. He has cash game preferences, tournament preferences, updates more on Friday. And I, as you were Tuesday night, Roto gut feeling uh, just right off the top of that. I just want to know your thoughts as of today, if I gave you the toss up and this is how we'll get into it. This is the voting segment. I actually wasn't even going to include this one, but I figured this is good because you mentioned both the quarterbacks that were kind of on my mind for other reasons, for seasonal purposes, but for DFS purposes, you can only vote for one this week in DFS Ben Roethlisberger or Drew Locke. Oh man, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Drew Locke because of the uh, the matchup, and I think it's it's close enough. I obviously, I don't like what I've seen out of Ben Roethlisberger. I feel like his supporting cast has made him look good, and he's got some really talented receivers, and uh, you know, but this just screams a situation where. Ben doesn't have to be Ben. It's just uh, hand it off to James Conner, let him run for 250 yards or whatever. Like let, let Benny Snell vulture him at the goal line, hopefully not, um, and just you know let them run. So for me, I would probably, because of the way the matchup is set up against Atlanta in the Dome, I think I would have to prefer Drew Locke. You know, Ben hasn't even really been Ben this year, surprisingly enough. Yeah. Uh, it's actually one of his... I don't know if it's his worst or close to his worst air yards per target of his career. And, you know, part of that is because Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster aren't going downfield a hell of a lot, but that's including with the emergence of Chase Claypool. He's still just not, you know, everybody talks about, and I, I know I'm just kind of randomly sidebarring on you, but everybody talks about Drew Brees's arm. And I feel like nobody's talking about the fact that Ben Roethlisberger's arm has kind of done a very similar thing. Yeah, I mean, he's it's it's literally being covered up by the fact that his defense is so stellar, and um, you know, they can feel like they they face some weak opponents, and and he's got a, a great group of people that are just making them look good, and and they're drawing up fantastic plays too. Like you see some of the ways that you know Chase Claypool is scoring, and just just making it easy. Ben is a he's a he's a smart quarterback, but the talent isn't quite what it, what it used to be. He's just you know not there, and so he kind of just gets away with a little bit of guile. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. It's, it's slow. Oh, here we go. It is actually, yep, it's the lowest. 19.4 average air yards per attempt per attempt. Wow. Uh, down from 22. Granted, it was only two games last year, but 21, 22, and 20.1 for the three seasons before that. It's down you know, between two and three yards per attempt. So there you go for that one. All right, so this is a little more rewarding. I've got five more votes for you to put in on this Tuesday or whenever everybody is listening to it. But the last one I'll save because it's actually a three or first. So we'll include like a, mm -hmm. we'll call them an independent possibly for there. But first up quarterback, you can pick one. This is the rest of 2020 for you. This is, a, you don't have to take them for the next four years. <laughs> Just the rest of 2020. You can only vote for one of these quarterbacks. Rookies, Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow the rest of the way. I got to go with Herbert. It's um, again, it goes back to schedule. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I mean, just the next three weeks alone, they get uh, Vegas, Miami, 
you know, Miami's kind of tough against perimeter um, receivers. And then the Jets, you got Buffalo who just as, you know, as uh, definitely, uh, definitely under um, overrated as a defense, just not the unit we thought they were, even though they hit some injuries, he gets new England who is decimated. Then they get Atlanta uh, and then Vegas again. Like it's a fantastic, phenomenal schedule for, for Herbert. He's going to be pretty highly uh, drafted next year, I think. Yeah, I think he will be. At this rate, he's going to be a QB1. There's no question about it. All right, so let's jump over to – did I do any running backs? No, I didn't. There's no really running backs to do this with. So we'll do wide receivers three in a row to finish it up. Let's go to tight end. The reemergence of Rob Gronkowski, which you, you can't vote for the fun. This is just pure fantasy. There's no fun on this ballot, just fantasy. Gronkowski versus Dallas Goddard the rest of the way. It was Dallas Goddard's first game back. A lot of people were excited. A lot of people were let down. But now that he's got that game under his belt, Gronk versus Goddard the rest of the way. I'd have to go with Goddard just because he's going to be a more focal point, uh, a, a bigger focal point in the offense. There's just so many mouths to feed on Tampa Bay. They all just sort of, uh, you know, suck it, uh, attention away from, from, from one another. And uh, Gronk's been fantastic this year. He's ended up being, being a good pick. And especially over the last month, if you've been playing him, he's been putting up points for you. But I think now that Dallas Goddard is back and he's healthy, whether it's returns or not, which you know, probably he will, I think Goddard is, is going to be, um, you know, for a second read on this offense. All right, fair enough. I don't disagree so far with the first two. Next one, pair of teammates here. Robbie Anderson or DJ oh. Moore for your voting choice the rest of the season? God, that is so hard. It is so, so hard. Um, <laughs> oh, it's so easy it, for me, 100%. Well, well, it's a matter of for somebody whether – I mean, I, I try to separate um, my own fandom um, from, from fantasy, but I love DJ Moore. He's just so talented. Uh, I think Robbie Anderson's fantastic as well, uh, but you just get a little bit of a safer floor and less chance of a, of a not a zero, but like, you know, just kind of a bust game. Um, less of a chance with Anderson and the way Robbie Anderson is deployed in this offense. Um, the, because he's just been running more intermediate route routes. They've been using him uh, properly um, the, the way he should be. He's not just this big deep threat guy. Um, now my question is how will things change with McCaffrey back um, you know, I think both of their values go down a little bit, but I think if they're looking for the home run, either of them are capable of it, but uh, DJ Moore is the bigger yak guy, the bigger air yards guy. So I think I'd probably do a slight lean for my boy, DJ Moore. Which was not supposed to be the case. It was supposed to be the exact opposite. And they yeah. switched their roles this year. They turned Robbie Anderson to a short game wide receiver. The funny thing is I've been calling DJ Moore the new Amari Cooper, because what I always used to say about Amari Cooper, you got six great games, six games that you pull your hair out and you curse his life. And then about four games where it's like, Oh, okay. Four games. I can deal with him. They're not so bad. That's exactly who he's been so far this year. Three games, 16, 17.3, 23.3. He's got one middle of the road game at 11.8. And then he's got a 6.5, 6.9, 7.4, 7.5. So he doesn't ever completely get, let you down, but you curse his name. You're like, what the hell is your problem, DJ Moore? And actually, everybody was doing it on Thursday night because they were saying, what the hell is Curtis Samuel doing? These are supposed to be DJ Moore's opportunities. Stop. Yeah, and, that, and that's what makes it tough. Um, and, you know, honestly, with, with, with CMC coming back, I mean, who knows how, how things are going to play out there. I, I guess it's a matter of the, the answer to the question would be if somebody is more risk averse or likes to take on more risk. So if you're more risk averse, then probably Robbie Anderson's your guy. 
Yeah. And honestly, the wide receiver three, uh, the biggest issue that I always had with Amari Cooper and the reason I brought DJ Moore into that same conversation is because of what you have to pay. Somebody like you, you know, like I'm not saying you would have paid this, but somebody like you loves DJ Moore. In, in every league, there's at least one, if not more, DJ Moore marks. There was the same thing with Amari Cooper. And if you wanted him, you had to draft them as a fringe wide receiver one. And that was always my problem mm-hmm. with Amari Cooper. And that's my problem now with DJ Moore. Yeah, heck, I would be happy if I went running back and he was my wide receiver two and my wide receiver one was maybe of the Keenan Allen, even Mike Thomas, Devontae Adams range, but never as my wide receiver one. All right, two more. I'll get you out of here. Uh, wide receivers again. Now we are going to go not the same team, but for one of your choices, Vlad, you get to choose any of three. So I'm giving you Nelson Aguilar, who has had a late career breakout, gotten that USC confidence back, or you can pick any of the three Cowboys. Who are you hmm. voting for? I would, I would probably take any of the Cowboys, even with that quarterback over Aguilar. Really? Yeah. Would you, you know take what? all three Cowboys over no. Aguilar? No, okay. I'd probably have to do two. Here, here's the the problem. Here is um, the way their schedule has gone is just sort of led up to um, uh, game script scenarios where they kind of need that that possession guy. And Aguilar has really stepped up. I think at some point Brian Edwards gets healthy and takes away a little bit of that role, or, or so I hope. Uh, Henry Ruggs is healthy. I know he's more of the deep threat, but I think him getting involved more helps a little bit. Um, Renfro is still there in the mix. Jocks Jacobs can catch passes. So. Um, you know, maybe it's my own personal bias. Maybe it's, you know, some, uh, some costly drops by, by Aguilar and DFS. Um, you know, obviously don't want to let bias affect, but I, I mean, I think I would take at least Amari Cooper and CD Lamb over him at this point. Okay. I'll, 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 I'll agree on Amari Cooper. Yeah. I don't know. The Brian Edwards part, I do agree with you. I actually think Brian Edwards coming back is a good thing for rugs. Cause the whole reason I was off on Brian Edwards this year and what we've seen so far, and I still would be when he comes back is because you're asking a rookie who still needs development to play outside and get the number one corner attention. And mm-hmm. he's just not ready for that. But I think that helps everybody else by just having him out there. So I agree with you on, on I guess two thirds of that ballot. So <laughs> last one, this is the one where we include the independent. So you get all three here. You get three different choices instead of just two. Finish things out. Your vote going forward, you can only take one Steelers wide receiver. Who's your number one the rest of the season? Oh, man. God, that's a tough that's decision that easy. I have every week. <laughs> um, well, it's easy if you think that Deontay Johnson can stay healthy because I think. Of course, they, well, that's part of the problem of what makes it frustrating. <laughs> that's, yeah, this is why I don't have, like, if I had it just take one and, and be able to trade a, a cheap receiver just for that. Um, oh man, I guess I will, I'll bet on a, on a, on a juju resurgence. I know that's probably the last answer you thought, but I'm just going to go with just juju, just gut choice juju here. Oh, do you know who's actually, can you guess, or you might know off the top of your head, who is actually number one on the season? Number one. So of those far. three. Yeah. It's probably him. No, it's actually Chase Claypool. Okay. Yeah. The, Chase, the, well, the four touchdowns. That's right. Yeah. That, that definitely helps. Chase Claypool is the half PPR. Chase Claypool has 93.1. Juju Smith Schuster has 72.1. Oh, wow. And Deontay Johnson, where is he? He's way down there. He's uh, 54.7. But the thing about Deontay Johnson is 54.7 in his three, like three like, healthy ish games 8.7, 19.2, and 24.5 targets 10, 13, and 15. That's why receptions 6, 8, 9. 
if I'm with targets. you. Yeah, ridiculous Insane. targets. How about that? 38 targets in the three games where he's actually been health, like at least 100% for most of the game, 38 targets. He's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. I'd, I'd be very curious to see how the uh, rest of the season plays out for him and where he, where he ends up landing in drafts next year. I, I kind of wish the Steelers had a bye coming up next week and could just like rest him for a week to get him completely 100%. But now that their bye went through the way <laughs> they side, do, they do. They're playing Dallas. <laughs> oh, that is true. <laughs> Maybe they could just, just sit him down. Like, if you gave me the choice as a Deontay Johnson owner, like, hey, you can't have him this week, and, but he's going to be 100%. I would take that 100 times out of 100. I would take that would, the rest of the season. I would too. <laughs> so, all right, Vlad, one more time. At Vlad Sedler, and, uh, or actually, no, not at Vlad Sedler, at Roto Gut. I should know that I said that at the top. I've actually said it twice already. But Vlad, tell everybody once again all the places they can find you, all the stuff that you have going on, and why, like I said, why they should be following you. Yeah, that, so that's me on Twitter. Um, usually uh, trying to drop hot takes, trying to be funny on there. Sometimes it lands, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I got some, uh, some good gut nuggets that help win you money. But most of the stuff is uh, behind the old paywall, uh, fantasyguru.com for my season-long content. I have a weekly uh, From the Gut article on um, basically some waiver stuff that comes out Wednesday, uh, some just high-stakes leagues analysis. Uh, that should be helpful for everyone's leagues. And then more importantly, on the DFS side, a couple articles, one for um, uh, basically analysis of the quarterbacks and um, a a super draft specific article later in the week where I basically break down the entire slate. All of that is at elitefantasy.com. We have a pretty good deal going on for the rest of the season and hoping to help you guys win some money. Once again, I appreciate it, Vlad. I will be back next week as always. Uh, hopefully you guys are still surviving and still playing. But if not, this is why I like talking DFS with people as well, because if your team is one in what week are we heading into 10, one in eight at this point, two in seven, then you play more DFS. There's no reason not to. So back <laughs> next week, uh, hopefully everybody's enjoying the rest of this week. Just be happy in general. You know what I'm alluding to. Just be happy. We can still all be happy family, friends and lives and getting through things together. Cause we're all human beings and just be happy. Like try. Just try. Vote, vote Sealy. Vote Sealy. No, don't do that. that. That'll get everybody angry again. But vote sad. Vote, <laughs> vote sad. Vote. I can't even say it now. I'm putting the L in it. There just you go. Say, I'll just, just put the L in it. Vote Vlad. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Jake. This was a blast. Thanks again. <laughs>